everyone and welcome to the new artist spotlight podcast i'm wilco wilkes back in the hot seat <laughs> and i'm origin cross what's up guys thanks for joining us for another episode uh, if you've listened before you'll know that this is where we interview some of the finest emerging artists from around the world uh all of whom can be found on the new artist spotlight playlists and don't forget to check out the website newartistspotlight.org where you can find those playlists plus news reviews tips and just about everything you need uh, as an independent artist on this planet. That's right. And uh, we've all got smiles on our faces today. And uh, I'll tell you why. It's because we've got today, welcome to the show, Gavin Waldby. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much. Uh, good evening to you, Wilco. Good afternoon, Origin. And it's good morning from me, from my backyard. It? Yeah, I was yeah, say, is that outside? Is that a real background? Yeah, no, that's, this is my real backyard. I Everybody's getting ready for because it's 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 early morning here, so everybody's getting ready for school and getting ready for work. Because this is about the only quiet place I've got in the house. It is out the house. In this case, yeah, yeah at yeah, the back yeah. of the house. Yeah, it looks idyllic, mate. It looks like one of those Zoom backgrounds, you know, the fake ones. And then um, we've got Origin in complete uh, opposite to you, so in a cupboard. Is that right? <laughs> I'm, I'm going in the closet in my what's supposed to be my studio. Yeah, that's good, man. It's dedication. I, I can like throw it. on the blurred background, though, if that'll... No, no, the world mystery. needs to see your closet, man. It's all good. You're sounding crisp. It's good to meet you today, sir. Uh, this is our first time uh, getting to sit down and have a chat with one another. So, obviously, we know a little bit about you. Um, we've heard your music. But for anybody who isn't familiar, would you like to give us an introduction to yourself? Yeah, Gavin Walby from Brisbane, Australia. Um, gee... I've been playing the guitar since I was about 14, I think, or 12 or something like that. Um, that's how everything started for me. And I just evolved from there like most musicians do. You know, I started out, and this is, guys, this is um, trying to learn music before the internet existed. Um, we're talking about, you know, when I was started my learning curve, um, you know, buying music books and learning, learning how to read chords and all that sort of stuff, and that evolved into guitar lessons, which evolved into studying more music, to studying music at the University of Queensland, um, playing in solos, playing in bands, um, playing in a theatre restaurant, um, evolving into um, my musical comedy duo, Chalk and Cheese, um, which I did for 15 years. And in the last probably five years, that's kind of all evolved into me deciding I really needed to record my own music because I had things written in my head, but I wasn't really um, doing anything with it. Um, and, yeah, I'm about to release number seven next Friday, and um, or today, I should say. <laughs> <I'm a> be- <laughs> no, it's tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, I think so. This podcast uh, comes out Thursday, I think, but it might be Friday in Australia. Time zones, I keep yeah, keep forgetting that. Yeah, what so day is it now for you. Uh, it's Monday morning here. 
Oh yeah, so it's Sunday afternoon for me. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, we had to. Yeah, it was a it was a tough one. We had to schedule in so we could get everyone there and not have one of us in the middle of the night. Yep, yeah, I just live in the wrong part of the world. Let's just face it. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. So that you know, but for me, this recording stuff is kind of you know like the pinnacle of everything that I've been doing all my life really because it's, it tests me and inspires me in so many different ways and um, yeah I'm just completely absorbed in it now it's great that's cool man I like it and um, you can tell that you're absorbed in it and uh, yeah I love that it's taken like a long time and now it's finally it's coming out and when I listen to your music I can hear the joy in it and I, I feel like you're one of these guys who's never far from your guitar it's just you your guitar like some of the you know the instrumental track as well. Uh, I think it might have been your most recent one. Um, I love that. The, the, the talk, talk, talking about the chase. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it, man. Um, you can hear the you can hear the joy in that of the guy who plays guitar. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Is that like? Yeah. Um, do you feel at home when you've got your guitar in your hands? No, absolutely. In fact, it's right here behind me. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I do. It's um, yeah the. Um, yeah, it's just something I absolutely love. And you're right, um, you use the word joy, um, and that's exactly the way I view music, is that it's a joyful experience. Um, you know, it just has that magic element that that, that you can't find anywhere else. Um, so, I, yeah, I feel that when I play the guitar and if I, whether I'm doing an instrumental, because I do instrumental tunes and I also write songs. Um, this next song coming out... Um, um, is my number song number seven is, is a song it's not an instrumental um, but either whether I'm doing which whether I'm doing an instrumental or a song yeah it's all joyful and whether it's my music or somebody else's music um, or it's a concert you know it's the same thing it's just too much fun to not do yeah I agree with that it's awesome the the emotion that music helps bring to a person you know whether it's hearing a song and it bringing it out of you or you being able to take that emotion that's in you and putting it into something and crafting something. Absolutely. And you got to find that, you know, sometimes that's where you take your inspiration from in terms of, you know, what the emotion is. I mean, this song that I got coming out, coming out um, this time, um, it took me back to my being a teenager, basically the writing of it. And I was funnily enough, I was actually able to tap into those emotions from from back in that time to to help inspire me to write this song we're talking about today. Cool. So it seems like you've had a a career already uh, in some forms. So you want to talk about some of the just the highlights and the even the lowlights of being a professional musician and everything you've kind of been through so far? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll probably the the things that are most memorable for me. Um, well, two things. Um, I had uh, worked in a duo for 15 years. Uh, we called ourselves Chalk and Cheese. We called ourselves a musical comedy duo. And um, Wilco, you'll like this bit. We called ourselves Chalk and Cheese because I'm an Aussie and the other guy was a pom. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Whereabouts was he from? Birmingham, mate. Birmingham. Right. Okay. Like this, James. More, more <laughs> Brummies connected in with the NAS community. <laughs> right. Yeah, so he was an ex uh, friend of mine, Kevin McLeod. Um, he was an expat Brummy, and uh, we met um, when I did this gig in a theatre restaurant. 
we did that for a year and um, we started up after that. We went out on our own and we um, we toured around, you know, um, we played locally, we played regionally and we played interstate and stuff like that. Um, doing music and comedy because um, uh, the other guy, Kev, was a very funny man, kind of Billy Connolly type um, demeanour. Um, and it was, we had a fantastic time um, telling jokes and putting putting on a show for people, trying to be entertaining as opposed to just being, um, you know, doing fancy music type stuff. And we did really well and we had a lot of fun. Um, a couple of memorable th- <laughs> things that happened to us. Um, this one makes me laugh. In fact, we were just talking about it the other night because um, I had Kevin and his wife Linda over for dinner just a couple of nights ago, so we were doing a bit of a reminiscing. We used to play um, country towns a fair bit and we had this gig up in um, a place called Nanango, which is about four hours northwest of where I live. And it's a typical country town, Friday night, you know, these people really like to party and they really like to drink. So we're sitting there playing away, doing our thing, people sitting at the bar, people sitting at tables and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, these people start coming up to us and say, can you play La Bamba? Can you play La Bamba? You know, yeah, yeah, we can play. Yeah, come on, play La Bamba. Play it, play it, current hurry up. You know, like they're basically badgering us to play La Bamba. So, okay, you know, don't know what this means. So, yeah, so we did La Bamba. Um, and this guy sitting at the bar, as soon as he hears, hears the song, stands up, walks over to a table, stands up on the table in the middle of the pub, takes all his clothes off and dances. <laughs> And we're going, what? Was it a bet? Um, hey? Was it a bet? Was it some sort of Well, we didn't we didn't know. Like everybody's cheering this bloke on. His <laughs> name was his his name was his nickname was Sticks. They're going, yay, Sticksy. And we're sitting there going, you know, what have we gotten ourselves into? As soon as the song's finished, he puts his clothes back on, goes back and sits down at the bar, and everybody goes back about their business. <laughs> And we're like, Just okay, day in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a weird day, hopefully, but okay. Yeah, well, that's it was like, yep. Yeah, everybody else, it was like, this just happens all the time. So you know, you get used to it. Six months later, we went, went. They got us back. Exactly the same thing. Play La Bamba, play La Bamba. Guy sitting at the bar goes over, stands up on a table, takes all his clothes off, dances. When the song's finished, puts his clothes back on, and goes back to the bar. The funny part is, the really funny part is that same guy then bought the local restaurant in Nanango and then he booked us to come up and play at his local restaurant. So, well, you know, so we went back there again. We're playing in, we're playing in his restaurant. Um, he's the manager. And, of course, it's exactly the same thing. Play La Bamba, play La Bamba. He stands up on the table, takes all his clothes off, and everybody's going, Yay! And I just remember laughing really a lot at that point because well, they were making so much noise. Um, and this is like midnight in this really quiet country town in the main street. And I'm sitting there thinking it would be really funny if the police came in right now, you know, with a with a complaint because they'd walk in and they'd go, what the hell is going on here? I want to talk to the manager right now. And we would have to sit, uh, that's him yeah, yeah. <laughs> on standing on the table, mate. Good luck. So, yeah, things like that used to happen all the time. Um, oh, no, 
that didn't happen all the time. That only happened occasionally. But we, <laughs> when you do when you're doing comedy um, and stuff like that, people you know get really extreme and um, they come up and tell you jokes, and they come up with all sorts of crazy things. They interfere with your show. They heckle, um, and a lot of the times it's really fun. Sometimes it's absolutely painful. On the negative side of things, um, I've actually had two people have a heart attack and die in the audience during one of our performances. Not That's not really once, good. but no, it was just bizarre. But it didn't happen once, it actually happened twice. Um, where like people had to stop the show and you know call an ambulance and all that sort of stuff. And, so it um, went mildly better than like a Travis Scott concert. Or something like that. Well, yeah, like nobody. It wasn't a crowd crush. I mean, it was only you know a hundred people or something like that in, in the crowd. But it actually happened on to us on two occasions where somebody actually actually had a heart attack and they subsequently passed away. And um, of course, that's um, my musician friends have never let me forget that. Um, you know, the fact that my music was that bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, we actually killed sure. two people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, I thought it was supposed to be a good thing to kill the crowd in, a, in, in, in the entertainment industry. Well, that's the funny thing. The first time it happened, I we drove home and um, because we we're up the north coast and got back to got home really late. I crawled into bed with my wife and and uh, she kind of said, Oh, how did the show go? And I said, Yeah, good, yeah, we killed them. Mm. <laughs> the words the words just came out of my mouth you know like without thinking so but um that was a long time ago so yeah it hasn't happened in a long time thank heavens but yeah that's an example of the things that used to used to happen to me may they rest in peace so tell us about country towns. <laughs> well, if, um, if anybody from Nanango ever hears this podcast, they might be um, they might know what I'm talking about. I'll, I'll probably never find out. Yeah, no, that's that's crazy, man. Um, so have you have you played much um, as Gavin Waldby? Have you played much to to a crowd or anything, or is it is it most of your experience in chalk and cheese? Um, I used to do a fair bit of solo work or just you know local restaurants and stuff like that. Didn't really. I mean, you know, it, it, was, it was, you know, I used to do like James Taylor stuff and, and things like that. Um, it kind of worked okay. It never really sat very well with me. Um, the other thing I did uh, was um, while I was doing all this stuff in chalk and cheese, I was also working very hard on learning how to become a reading guitar player, um, as in terms of in terms of sight reading music. Um, now on the guitar, that's really, really, really hard to do. Um, but I was really keen to do it because I wanted to get playing in big bands and things like that. Um, and I spent years and years, probably two or three years, I think, just practicing seriously, um, learning that skill because it's kind of like doing stuff like that's like a hundred meter sprint. You know, it's basically here's the music you've never seen before, one, two, three, four, and you're in kind of type of stuff. So you have to be able to process stuff really quickly. Um, and, uh, so I worked on that for a long time and, um, it eventually paid off and I ended up playing in, um, the Alan Brown big band, um, the Brisbane Bundy Rum big band and the Brisbane jazz club big band, just sitting there reading, you know, playing in a big band and reading charts, which was fantastic. Cause I tell you what, playing in a big band, there's, it's nothing there's no experience like it when you're playing with a like an eight piece or a six piece brass section. Man, when that when those blokes kick in, it's just like it just yeah, 
I can't. The, yeah, the, the power. Oh, the power of those the power of brass instruments. You, you can't. Um, there is nothing like it. And um, so that was the other other thing that I did for quite a long time, um, doing that sort of work. But yeah, really hard work. And you know, sometimes you'll end up falling flat on your face because it's like ah. That's too fast, too hard. I can't get it. Um, yeah, so had a bit of egg in my egg in my face on more than one occasion, um, but still a fantastic experience. So yeah, that was that was the two two biggest things for me. And like I said before, it's now the recording side of things, which I'm completely absorbed by. Yeah. So like, you spent two or three years reading like sheet to learning to read sheet music. Um, and you- I can't remember how to do that. No, uh, yeah. If you give me a tra- treble clef piano piece without any chords, I'm your man. As long as you <laughs> stick within the stave. <laughs> <laughs> look, I don't know. Look, you know, like the classical musicians that can do that at will. Um, you know, I tip oh, my no, head, tip my hat to them. Like, gives me a headache just thinking about it. Um, oh, look, it's so hard. It is so hard. It's such a such a refined skill. Um, so what I was going to ask is, um, how, how do you find like your own um, time management? Because you're clearly a guy who puts a lot of work into your music. Do, are you like, um, are you just constantly like every evening doing music, 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 or do you are you struggling to fit in and doing a bit of this, bit of that? Oh look, I, yeah, it's I struggle to, struggle to fit it all in. Um, I'm I'm still work full time during the day. And um, so it's just evenings um, and, and weekends and stuff like that. I, I just, you just got to make the time. Um, I'd love to be doing a, a new song, you know, once a month, um, but that's just impossible for me. Um, it's just when I've got the time and I've got the inspiration, I, you know, I can line all my ducks up in a row. Um, yeah, it's it's tricky because you know, being married, and I've got, I'm still raising a 16 year old boy and teaching him how to, how to learn how to drive at the moment and things like that. Finding the time, yeah, you just got to find it. It bits and bobs. And then you got the soul, as you guys all know, then you got the social media side of things, which is really time-consuming. In fact, mm, you know... It's you a bit spend, frustrating, really, the social media side of things, I think. Oh, look, yeah, look, I agree 100%. I spend more time doing social media than I do doing music i mean it's it's a it's a necessary evil um but it, again it's like there's no inspiration there from a, from a, from a musician's point of view um it's kind of yeah it's just it's just you got to put in the time doing both getting the balance right is really hard like uh, i finished recording this song over two months ago um but for the last two months i've just been doing all the social media things you know electronic electronic press kits and all that sort of stuff um, and it, you know, there's no shortcuts with that stuff. You just got to put in the t- time and the effort doing it. So, say that yeah. again. You I know do, what I'm talking think, about. I do. I do wonder sometimes if maybe we get a bit too wrapped up in all that stuff, though. Because, and I do it myself. You know, contact blogs, and obviously you've got to have the artwork and stuff like that. Um, you know, like with the EPK, you don't necessarily need one unless you want blog coverage. Um, I suppose it's it's whether you want your music to get heard, and I suppose we're all in new artist spotlight because we do. So uh, maybe that's why we kind of take it a bit too seriously. But I suppose I don't want to, I hate it when it, it gets to the point where music becomes a stressful thing and it's like loads of admin and loads of word processing and all that when it could be, you know, stripped back no, and just yeah. playing and enjoying it. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, in a perfect world, we'd have, you know, somebody working for us to mm. to, to, de- to deal with all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, but, I mean, that's the, that's the metrics, isn't it? Um, I, I, I bought a book called um, How to Promote Yourself as an Independent Musician. I can't remember the exact name of it. And uh, they, talk, they talk about the vanity metrics. That's the expression that they use. You know, like you know, how many people you got following you on Instagram, and how many people you got following you on Spotify, and how many likes you've had for this, and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, the sad reality is we we live in a world which is completely obsessed with metrics. You know, in it fact, um, very true. In what fact, um, oh, yeah. Sorry, but um, in fact, I wrote a, one of my songs. Um, I don't know whether you've listened to uh, my song called "From the Machine." Mm. That's what that's what that is about, and I can speak, you know, with some uh, some knowledge there because I work in the IT industry, and the IT industry is obsessed with metrics, um, as is you know, and the uh, the musical music side of things in social media is equally obsessed with metrics because what computers do really well is measure things and count things and they just it's taken over you know um and there's so many and what frustrates me about that and i think you guys would probably feel the same way is that it takes away so much you know like we're talking about how joyful music is Mm. but there's no metric on joyful yeah (laughs) You know what I mean? Right, mate. Yeah, but that's that satisfaction and stuff like that. It's, it's not yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the joyfulness and the self-satisfaction and the f- fulfillment. Um, you know, those are the most, those are the feel-good things. You know, that's what inspires us to do what we do. But nobody even worries about measuring that. Why? Because you can't measure it. <laughs> so in a way, um, and in fact, there's a line in that song of mine that I was just talking to. It's, and it says, if it hasn't got a metric, it doesn't exist. And, you know, um, that's truly what I feel. I mean, that's why I wrote that song. And the point is, there's plenty of things that do exist which don't have a metric. And, you know, people, and, you know, particularly the younger generation coming up that were born with social media, you know, they sometimes don't get that, I don't think. Yeah, I like that man. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna re-listen to that as well now that I kind of know more about what it's about. Um, but the uh, yeah, and I, I, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying, man. And to an extent, I feel like the only things that actually matter are the ones that don't have metrics. Those are the I only things them. that really do exist on like a, you know, I don't know, on a something level. Insert clever words they, here. That's that's <laughs> the that's the that's the humanity of it. Um, I my hobby is um, is four wheel driving and, and off roading, and I'm I'm completely obsessed with uh, a place called Fraser Island, which is again about four hours north of here. It's the biggest sand island in the world, and I take my four wheel drive up there. And you, seriously, you can drive on the beach there f- for half a day. It's it's so big. It's a huge island, and at low tide, the beach is probably a hundred meters wide. And you hop in your car, and you blue sky, blue sea white sand dunes everywhere and you're cruising along that beach and it, I just zone out. I go somewhere else, you know, and, and I don't even know where it is, but it's just, it's just the, the environment that you're in. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an addictive thing. I go back there, you know, twice a year because it's so much fun. Um, but once again, how do you measure that? You don't measure it. You just, you just enjoy it. And, you know, there's no metric on that one, but it's so much fun. I think there's some truth to it and maybe 
it's still not 100% concrete just because uh, I think there are some things that metrics can be used for that are that are real, like um, number of friends you have, right? Like you may, there may not be a metric for how good of a friend a friend can be, but how many real friends you have, because you don't get many real genuine friends in life, right? Like certain things like that, I feel like a metric works for. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, if you've got five five people you can call your close friend, um, you know, I think you're doing well. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I take your point. It's, it's a thought, something to chew on, I guess. So you talked about all these experiences you have uh, performing and you talked about the hecklers and, and sometimes you get acting in your face just trying to read and keep up with sheet music in real time with everything going on. Are there any um, any other stories besides the guy who would get up and take his clothes off <laughs> just with things kind of going bad in front of an audience of people or the audience? Just any crazy stories like that that just stick out in your head? I probably told you the ones that I, that I remember the most. Um, I did have a... a Probably the other one comes to mind. Um, again, I was playing in a, playing in a big band situation, and actually, I was talking about the song before it was um, La Bamba, and um, which uh, is in in the key of C, the original version, and, and it's got that really funky little guitar introduction. And in the key of C, um, that's you know, it's, it's quite playable. It's not that hard um, once you learn how to do it. So anyway, I'm doing this gig and. Um, and this was, I hadn't seen any of these charts before, eh? and we're just going from song to song. Anyway, up pops the bumper, and it, but it's not in the key of C, it's in the key of B flat. And it's like, oh, my God. Now, if you're not um, easy to play in the key of C, in the key of B flat, I probably would have needed half an hour to work on that to get that right. So, you know, drummer goes, one, two, three, four. Oh, look. The guitar is not a symmetrical instrument. In a certain case, things can be really easy to play. Um, put it in a different key, and it's like completely different. You know, like yeah, no, I was amazed, like to learn it in a different yeah, key. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was pretty good, mate. Short, short <laughs> amount of time to be able to kind of just figure something out like yeah. that. Well, yeah, but hey, you know. Anyway, so the drummer counts. Just you know, like I've already seen. I had had this thing in front of me for like thirty seconds, and I'm processing it then panicking because like i knew i wasn't going to get it and the drummer goes one two three four which at which point i'm supposed to go ba, 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 bum, ba, ba, da, dum, dum, and instead it was just and like exposed <laughs> eh? like it's solo guitar introduction type stuff completely exposed you're not hiding behind any other and i just wanted to crawl under a rock and die and um you know, but I felt like saying, but it's in B flat. Oh, Nobody can do that. <laughs> but of course, I, I, there was no point saying it because they're all they're all brass players, and they get you know like people that play play brass instruments. You know, they play in B flat, A flat, D flat. You know, and all the time because it suits their instrument. Doesn't suit the guitar. 
And uh, times like that, you just want to go. Hmm, I'm going to go back to my. Can I go back to my day job now? I can imagine, man. Like the word you used was exposed. Like that's so true. Yeah. Man. I can feel that moment. Um, what I think what I would have done in that situation is just started playing in C anyway. And then they start in B flat. Go, what are you doing, guys? <laughs> yeah, you were the solo. You started off, so I mean, they technically you needed to adjust. Well, what I what I did learn in doing all that is that whenever because I'd you'd be talking to the band leader, you know, like they'd ring you up and book you for the gig and and that sort of stuff. Whenever a, whenever a brass player said, "Oh, like the charts are pretty easy, you'll be fine," I knew I knew they didn't know what they were talking about because <laughs> they were brass players, not guitar players. Um, so yeah, that was my most embarrassing moment. I think I, I try not to remember that one. No, that's good though, mate. Um... Did you ever have, have you always had continuous gigs or did you ever get to a point where you weren't getting any work or? Well, no, that's, that's a really good question. Um, with Chalk and Cheese, we did 15 years doing all, you know, and we did quite, quite well, you know, we were quite, um, quite successful because the accent was on trying to be entertaining. We got pay, paid pretty well as well, but um, the whole um, market changed for reasons we never really understood and the gigs just started drying up. And um, we were getting less and less work, and then, and the work that we were getting wasn't real good, and we we were taking gigs which we probably shouldn't have taken. Um, you guys probably have, the, have been in the same position where somebody might ring up and offer you a gig, and you're going, "Is this for me, or do I want to do that?" Um, you know, is um, you know, is it the right you know, um, demographic for me, or is it the right audience for me? You know, are they going to like what I do? Are they not, not going to like what I do? And we ended up doing gigs like that, taking gigs we shouldn't have taken, um, but we needed the money. And it just got slowly, um, slowly worse. And we got to the point where we pretty much went, I think it's time to pull the pin because we're getting, we're starting to get, we got to a point where we're actually starting to clash with the audience and um, we're starting to lose that cool. Um, and when you're at that point, you know you, you've lost your concentration, and um, you got to you got to stop and pull back and um, mm. um, and, and reconsider everything. And, and we, we we then sat back and waited for um, you know the good quality work, and it just didn't come. Um, so yeah, that's when I went back to um, to school and got a diploma in IT and got a day job. Um, but, and that was a really difficult time um, because I actually stopped playing. I, I I actually felt quite kind of heartbroken about the whole thing and I actually stopped playing. I didn't touch my guitar for nine months um, because it it was, you know, it was all too much in a way. And um, and I look back at that now and I go, how did I do that? How did I not play the guitar for nine months? But that was just my state of mind at the time. So, yeah, um, but, you know, then it eventually turned around um, and a couple of years ago, you know, I was really back into it. And that's when I went, you know, I really should start recording some of this stuff because I thought it was worth recording. Um, but, you know, writing your own stuff and, and recording your own stuff is a big learning curve. Um, so, yeah, I started with a couple of instrumentals and then I, then the song started to come, the lyrics started to come, and here we are today. I'm glad you, uh, glad you picked yourself back up after the cheese had melted. <laughs> <laughs> Very good work, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I gotta give you that one. <laughs> it's a good story, though, mate. I like that. I like the um, 
I like hearing about the the downs sometimes as well. Do you know what I mean? About the, that um it must have been a mad situation to go through when you you've been doing something for so long and then suddenly especially with comedy, it's quite pressured when you're up on stage, isn't it? If you start losing your cool and it seems like everything's going downhill, I can see why at the end of it you've got that that sort of grieving really and like what's next? Like, is there anything after this? Yeah, no, that, that that's exactly right. And and we used to I mean, because we we had so many successful gigs, um, we had so many great nights. And again, you know, that joyfulness and the fun and, and the laughter, and, and you know, and then doing dance music at, at the end of the night and all that sort of stuff. You, you come home buzzing, you know. I mean, there's nothing like doing a great gig, and you know, you'd yeah, and you'd be buzzing for the next couple of days sometimes, and you just want more and more and more and more and more and more, and that slowly kind of decreased you know as, as as the gigs dried up and you kind of yeah it is a bit of a grieving process because it's very addictive um you know it, it whether you you're, you've written a really good song in the studio and you're listening listening back to it going oh man i love that i'm so happy with that and you got to you know you get a little buzz out of that or whether it's a buzz from having done a fantastic gig um it's those endorphins you know you get that endorphin buzz going in your brain um and it's a natural high um, and it is addictive, and if you stop getting it, you start to miss it quite a lot. Yeah, I've I've been through times too where it's like, um, like finishing up college. There was a period where I didn't work on music for like a year or something. It was like the entire time I lived in the apartment I was living in, I hadn't recorded anything. And when I looked at it, and it wasn't even intentional, like a, like a, I stopped for a reason. It was just that life had got so hectic that I didn't have time to really touch music and when I thought about it and I realized that it was kind of like similar to how you say it's like a grieving process it's like wait a minute like this is the thing that I love and I haven't given it any time or attention in like a year you said nine months it's it's kind of like you didn't even realize you were living without something that you can't live without yeah no look I think I think what you're talking about is, um, you know, the inspirational part of, um, of of writing. Sometimes the inspiration's there, and sometimes it isn't. And sometimes you might go without it for, you know, a month, two months, six months um, before it. Comes. But if you, you know, if you have that in your brain, I think it it, it always comes back. Um, trying to force trying to force it really doesn't work most of the time. It doesn't work for me anyway. I know that. And no, it's difficult. And I like what you said, Gavin, about um, just kind of being in the studio and getting that joy when you you write a good line or when you hit do something like that you buzz off of your own stuff, even when there's no audience, there's nobody around to see it. Like those are, it's a sacred thing, really. Like you do, you can just get lost in it. You can find hours just go like that because you're so engrossed in what you're doing. And there's no thrill like it. Yeah, like you say, it is addictive, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, if I again talk about um, my new song, Why Don't You Care About Me, the the middle section of the, I really struggled with the middle section of the song. I I could not come up with anything for like weeks. Everything I had ideas and they, they all went nowhere. Um, but I finally came up with an idea for the middle section. And uh, now I think it's, you know, it's my favourite part of the whole tune, yet it was actually the hardest part to write. 
Um, I went over it and over it and over it and over it and over it, like the phrasing and, and the lyrics and the melody and stuff, like so many times trying to get it because I kind of, I could hear it in my head, but I couldn't get it. It wasn't coming out. But I finally, just through repetition, finally nailed it. And when I listen back to it now, it's like, hey, I re- I'm so glad I worked on that because I'm so, I'm so proud of that bit. Sometimes the delay that we experience, I feel like is intentional because it's, it's like that thing that we've been waiting for is coming. It's just, it just hasn't hit us yet. And we think that we're stuck, but in, in my mind, we're really just waiting. Yeah. And look, I, I, I think, you know, you might have an idea for a song, um, uh, which is half formed and you might get half of it down and then, and you don't really like it, but there might be one line that you really like. And then you take that, one line and they actually build up, build on that one line. So you might end up going down a tangent, which you hadn't intended to start, which you mm-hmm. didn't intend to start with. Um, but that's part of the fun is, is kind of, you know, for me, it's, it's tapping into that, um, tapping into that one little thing, which leads to another little thing, which leads to another little thing. And then you start to, you know, hopefully you can put it all together in a kind of cohesive way. And, and, and the next thing you know, you've actually got something really good to work on. So, yeah, it's like when people do, you know, like 2000 piece jigsaw puzzles and then they frame it and put it on the wall. But that's like us, but we put it on Spotify. <laughs> but I love no, that. that's exactly. It is like putting a puzzle together, isn't it? And then you get so. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, look, okay, your, your new song, um, the ABCD. Mm. Man, those lyrics! I'm sitting there listening to that, going, "What's he going to do when he gets? What's he going to do when he gets to the really hard letters? What's he going to do with X? He's what's gonna he going to do with them. Z?" <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Filler line Pop at the out. end, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, X is for xylophone. That was, that was a shortcut. That was a shortcut. No, man. but it's very well. It was a shortcut, <laughs> but it's a very well executed shortcut. Shortcut. No, uh, that, that like I don't know. You guys and your, you know, you guys and and your genre with your lyrics. I don't know how anybody does that. Little Xerox. <laughs> Origin, right? You come back to me with a full sentence beginning with words beginning with X <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> around a mental health okay. theme and you know, uh, some sort of metal. <laughs> listen, listen here. First of all, I never took on this challenge. I'm smart. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Believe me, I, I can do it. alliteration rap all day or alliteration assonance. I can do it. I know you can do that, man. Why am I going to jump on X of all letters on purpose? Like, why would I set myself up for that? Yeah. That's what a, that's what a dictionary is for, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or the internet we've got these days, Gavin. I know we start. Oh, out. yeah. I would just about have to use a dictionary to, to craft that verse. Now, I'm, I'm almost tempted to try it because you, you challenged me on it, such I'll a send you the large beer if you want. public platform like this, but I'm going to fight my pride and <laughs> we're going to focus on Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, Gavin, hey, good to see you there, mate. A, <laughs> Yeah, you remember me, you know, sitting here in my backyard. No, but um, I was going to, I was trying to say before you guys with, with your lyrics, I mean, you know, I tip my, tip my hat because like, the lyric content of what you guys do is just crazy, let alone remembering it all and getting it all right. God, I don't know how you do it. Well, thank you, but I remember nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, mate. And um, yeah, I try to remember it all. 
I really so want it's to true. Be a, a proper live rapper. So you've got you've got I take I put a lot of time into practicing and I've got I've got to keep on it. Otherwise, if I don't practice for a few weeks, I start missing words out and um getting it wrong. It must be the same for you when you're doing pretty complex stuff on guitar and um you've got so so much um like breadth of work that you've done as well. Um do you do you put a lot of time into practicing your own songs and I, I do. Um, I, what the way I work these days is I'll do it. I don't use. I don't record in my own studio. I've, I've just. I'm just set up for demos. I don't. Um, I don't have the gear to do the whole thing myself. Um, uh, but I, I'll do do the demo at home and I'll kind of craft it up and and you know get the different tracks and the arrangements a basic arrangement worked out. And then I and when I and I. Uh, go to my studio, I use a guy named Kesro Rasta here in Brisbane. He's got a fantastic studio. Um, seriously, you walk in there and it's like walking into the the deck of the Starship Enterprise, man. It's like um, like he's got so much gear, it's so much hardware, it's just crazy. Um, and he gets a fantastic sound, um, you know, 10 times better than I'd ever do myself at home. Um, so I use him for all, all my stuff. But what I do is... Um, I'll book a three-hour session, you know, and I'll but I'll I'll be ready. I'll you know I'll have everything practiced. I'll have all the guitar parts worked out, and I'll be warmed up, ready to go. So I, I normally get everything. Guitar-wise, I normally one or two takes. Normally, you know, sometimes three, um, except for the chase. The chase took a bit longer because it was really hard to play. Um, normally, I get that pretty good. The vocal the vocals take a longer a lot, a lot longer because I'm not a I'm a pretty. Um, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not as good at singing as I am on the guitar. Um, but I, yeah, I, you know, you got to be prepared and ready um, when you're going to record. You don't want to be sitting there redoing something for the 17th time because um, at that point you've lost it. You know, you're, the spirit's gone, your energy's gone, and you're getting frustrated. So, yeah, preparation is everything from my point of view. I agree with that, mate. That's good advice. And it's annoying for the people in the studio as well when people turn up and they don't know their own stuff. And uh, well, you're wasting everyone's sort of time and money, aren't you? you, you by, you're letting yourself down by not doing enough practice, I think. But yeah, obviously you yeah. don't do that because of the quality of your tracks is it's proof. Well, thank you. Thank you. See, that's why I like recording like at home in my own setup and then just sending it out to get mixed and mastered because for me, I'm going to mess up. Like, it doesn't matter how many times I practice, how, like, even just, because uh, the way I've started recording has even changed to where it was, you know, I would write everything and then I would record and then sometimes it evolves or it just depends on the song where sometimes I might write and record or, and sometimes it's the delivery, like, as, like, artists and stuff, like, it's so many different ways we can deliver a line to get a certain impact that we want somebody to, get from it to say it a certain type of way so that we can lead into the next line. And so the way we hear it in our heads versus what our mouths is actually going to produce doesn't always line up. So, you know, we have to workshop it. And I like being able to workshop it kind of at my own pace and getting things exactly how I want it to, even though you kind of lack the that extra ear to help you kind of do what you're trying to do at the same time. So it's kind of like a pro and a con, depending on the type of artist you are and your skill set. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And sometimes you'll be, you know, you'll be in the studio recording, and you'll get an, you'll get another idea there and then. 
um, or you know, um, my my engineer might suggest might suggest something, you know, and it's like, hey, yeah, you know, let's run with that and, and see what happens. Um, and sometimes those those last minute ideas can be really really good too, and they can add a lot of value. Um, but I, I take what you say, um, Origin. About I mean, if you're working at home, you're relaxed. Um, you know, if you if you don't get it right, you can do it again. Um, so, and you know, you, you have to be relaxed to to produce um, you know good quality stuff. I think the team the team of people that I work with, we know each other so well. We're just really relaxed all the time. It's really easy going. I mean, you know, and I'm the one. I'm the one paying the bills. So the only, only person that's going to get going to get stressed out is me if it all turns to crap. Um, so, but if you if you've got good people you can work with and you trust and you and you know each other, um, whether you're working at home or working in a studio somewhere else, I think that makes a lot of difference. And you've got to find the right people. Um, the first my first couple of recordings, I was in a, in a different studio and. Um, it wasn't the same as where I am now. Like where I go now, it's like um, you know, it's just hanging out with the family. Really, um, it's really fun. Okay, that's awesome, man. And um, so, speaking of working with good people, leads us right into um, talking a little bit about the new artist spotlight community, like um, your experience of it, and um, sort of how how you feel. It all, yeah, I don't know, man. Andres, just. Transition into that question. <laughs> I know, yeah, oh, <laughs> it was finish. It threw me off, man. That's it. Yeah, I cracked a smile and everything here. You set that up. I was like, man, this guy's good. Damn it. Um, Shall I? How about I talk about how I got involved in Nash? Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can leave that all in undress. That was quite funny. Great idea. No, I was um, via Submit Hub. Um, I saw one of Ed's Ed Eagle's posts in there, and I'd seen plenty of those before, and you know, and gotten involved, and they didn't really eventuate into anything um, that didn't last, you know, more, anything more than a couple of weeks. So I looked at Ed's thing and went, "Oh yeah, this guy looks pretty, pretty serious," um, you know. So I joined up and. Very glad that I did because it's evolved. I mean, you know, that's why I'm here now, really, when you think about it. Um, but it, it just – it was about um, – what is it, November now? It would have been – so a bit over a year ago. It might have been October last year or something like that that I got involved. And it's just taken off, as you guys know. And I really like the, the whole community spirit. Um, it's really – uh, you know, it's you know. Well, what's the metric on that? <laughs> what's the metric on that? Uh, I don't know, and I don't care. Um, it's just really, it's a really good uh, community of musicians, and they genuinely, everybody does genuinely help everybody out, and they, you know, and they support each other, and it's a lot of fun because you're um, you're, you're talking and engaging with other musicians, and you've immediately got that kinship that musicians have and performers have for each other. And then you've got your stream, you know, all your streaming on top of that and your numbers and all that sort of stuff, which always helps. I'd like to think that in 10 years, 10 years time, we'll be looking back, you know, oh, I remember when we were just starting out and we all joined NAS and, you know, we just had our first couple of recordings and all that sort of stuff. And, and at least 50 of us will be world famous by then. I have no doubt about it. 10 years, 50 people, I think we can make that happen. Yeah, that sounds a little bit optimistic to me, but 
Well, you know, you read about the you read about the, when when the Beatles, the Beatles versus the Rolling Stones. You know, when they were in the, in the 60s and the 70s, and they were starting out in London. You know, they used to hang out with each other other all the time. You know, um, yeah, yeah. In, in America, well, you know, it's possible. Yeah, well, that's exactly. I mean, but it would have been similar to them back in that. You know, what they what they were doing, and when they just started out, even though it was on a much grander scale, it wouldn't have been dissimilar to what we're doing now. If you look at um, you know the American artists that I admire, like um, you know James Taylor, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, um, Neil Young, and people like that, I mean they all knew each other. You know, they, Linda Ronstadt, they used to hang out together all the time and do jam sessions all the time. Um, and look what happened to them. So it, would, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been any different to what we're doing now, except it was with except it was without all the electronic stuff. That's what that's what I think. Mm, I, I agree with you, but I think what we need, uh, maybe a key bit that we're missing, is like some sort of billionaire record label to fund us all. Um, because Whoa, uh, listen, listen, Valet Records LLC, it needs artists, you know. I oh, need yeah. I need people to to sign. I need people to you know help grow grow the are label you, in the are arts. You so a, you, are you opening a record label? Obviously, I, I own a record label. Oh really? Oh, I'm big, receiving ha- a, a letter from you. <laughs> how big's your how, how big's your checkbook origin? That's that's the important question. No, it's not. I don't <laughs> think that's the important question at all. <laughs> yeah. but it's but, uh, I think the important question is what. What do I have to offer an artist that that signs to me? And I think it's the belief in the artist and the, uh, you know, how much work I'm willing to put in behind that artist and their product, you know, not so much as how much can I afford to at this particular time, because as as we all grow together, we'll all, all be able to do more for each other together. I agree with you, man. I agree with you. Good answer. But I do think, um, I do sometimes think, though, this is my cynicism about the um, music business, that a lot of the the people aren't really, you know, it's a small group of people who can really push artists into the mainstream. So you end up with all the top artists know each other anyway because they're always at the same events together. They've got the same managers. They've got the same closed-off kind of, you know, Sony and Universal and BMG and all these have got, like, their um, stables and then they're all just moving in the same circles and it's very tough for sort of anyone outside of that to to get in. But that's why I think uh, NAS is really good because it it gives people who are completely on the periphery, might not have any fan base, might not um, even sort of be able to uh, play live or anything like that. It might be early stages and yet they've still got a chance to have a platform to be heard by hundreds of people, thousands of people, to be on these playlists, to, to meet people through things like this. And I think you're right. There's, if there is anyone kind of going to break into the mainstream, NAS will give them a massive boost to do that. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've gotten. I, I think because my numbers have improved a lot, I've got um, people do do pay attention to, to that. Even though I've been sitting here for the last, um, you know, 45 minutes bag, bagging metrics that, that they're not important, um, people do. Um, Pay attention to your numbers. You, you can sense it in, in the way they re, they respond to you. Um, it kind of the hypnosis. It's it's a bit of a hip. I think of it as a bit of a hypnosis thing. Um, you know, it's like oh, that guy's got one hundred and fifty thousand plays. That must be a really good song. And then like they subconsciously have already accepted that it's a really good song because they've seen the numbers. And um, it it does affect the way people view you. 
whether it's um, you know regardless of whether it's it's um, justified or not, you know people do pay attention to it. Absolutely, I feel like even though the metrics shouldn't be as important as they are in the society that we actually do live in, the better your metrics, the more people are gonna choose to take you seriously. Even in my own little tangent here, I guess when I was releasing my last project, Faith Over Fear, uh, and I just moved to San Antonio and um, I'm, you know, gotta take those opportunities to sell myself to the people I'm just meeting. I told a guy um, I was putting out a project and, uh, you know, go check it out or check my music out. And a few days later, he comes back and he says, you know, I got some friends that put out music too and all their songs, uh, he's like, I left, I went, I went to go check you out and all their songs, say less than a thousand, less than a thousand, less than a thousand, but you, you really got some like numbers, like you got 20, 30, 40, 50,000 streams on songs. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you're, you're legit. And I'm like, who's to say the, your friends that only have less than a thousand aren't legit. It's just that mine looks better because I have more streams, but you can't judge the quality of artists based off that. But that's just the perception of it, you know? Yeah, you're right, and and then you're—that's the exact word. It's it's all about perception, because um, I—I mean, I've heard some some fantastic artists and some fantastic songs within NAS and with and outside of NAS too. It's just stuff I've come across myself, and like really top quality songwriting, playing, singing, and you look you look at the tune and like yeah, not even a thousand streams, or they've got twenty followers or something like that. And you know, and you know, you, your heart kind of goes out to them because these are really talented people. Um, um, but you know, sometimes it seems like you know you're, you're just a shout in the void when you're releasing a song if you haven't got all the other things going for you. Trying to get people people to listen is really hard, and those those metric, metrics can be really brutal when you're sitting when you're sitting there with that less than a less than a thousand um, number sitting there on top of your song. You just kind of feel, oh, you know, you feel bad about it. You can't you can't not feel that way. I think. Yeah, we're all trapped in the trapped in the system, aren't we? But I mean, I, I do feel better about you know having now my my Spotify is on about two and a half thousand monthly listeners, and then. And it's gone from that. It's gone from about six hundred to two and a half thousand within a few weeks, basically, um, just because mm. of one of one of the playlists that I got put on. And um, it does make me feel better, and it does does. It feels to me like it's more credible if I can if I'm looking for gigs, if I'm sending people stuff, and they can see that it's like. But yeah, the music hasn't changed. Nothing's, but as well, I think it's a bit like you know. Um, in school, like you learn a load of stuff that isn't useful, but really it's not about whether you can learn algebra. It's about whether you can do the discipline and take the exams and get the results and put the work in. And I feel a little bit like that with streaming services. There's no reason that because things like NAS do exist, you know, if we're here, we're, we're loud about it. You can find us. You can come and be a part of us and, and, get more streams but also make connections and take that kind of journey from being a minus 1000 artist with two monthly listeners to being a you know 10,000 20,000 stream artist with six, five 600 monthly listeners and there's no real it's all some I don't want to sound harsh or anything but it's like there's no excuse for kind of being stuck on two monthly listeners 
because there are playlists out there and you can do the work to get there. And it's like, maybe if somebody, I don't know, it just doesn't look good, does it? Like, even if you like the best artist in the world, it doesn't look great if you've got two monthly listeners. No, that's exactly right. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it is a brutal it is a brutal business. That's 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 reality reality of it because I've been involved in it for, for you know a long time now, and it's never not been brutal in one way or another. I feel like a lot of us we make this music because this it's for us. It's what we enjoy. It's how we express ourselves and everything like that. But we want more and more people to listen to us and more and more people to like our music because we're making this thing that we're proud of and we want it to be experienced by as much of the world as we can have it experienced by like it's we're sharing us and we want to share us with as many and as much people and places and whatever there is that we can like we want fans and it's not just greed or it's not just you know just to be able to brag about it it's just like we want to be able to touch and influence there's wow. a merge to um, connect, yeah. And also, I want the, I want more cool opportunities from this. I want the opportunity to play good gigs and to meet more people and to keep doing the thing, this thing that you know is an absolute roller coaster ride at times. But you know, if you love roller coasters, the bizarre, b- bizarre thing about doesn't matter whether you're a musician or um, a comedian, I suppose, is that. The we all crave the um, the validation of strangers, you know, because we all, you know, our family and our friends go, oh yeah, 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 you know, love your new song, you know, love that guitar part and all that sort of stuff, because that's what your friends and your family do, and that's what they say, and you know, yeah, you know, and, and you you always appreciate those kind words, but what you actually crave is people who don't know you at all to really like what you do, and. Um, that's unusual. That's you know that's not, not not the normal state of things in, for many people's lives. But that's what we want. You know, we want those hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people to love what we do, because this this is an this is an expression of ourselves. You know, this is us expressing what who we are. But the part of the equation is that you want somebody else to listen to it. And you want somebody else to like it. Um, I mean, what I you know, what I want to do. I mean, I, I, I use the expression "light up the room." Light up the room. You know, I'd like to think that my music helps light up the room for somebody. Um, you know, and um, that's what I would hope would happen. But if you if you can get people who don't know you to react that way, then it's like, you know, I've done a good job. Absolutely. So we want you to light up the room with story behind why don't you care about me tell us about that track and why that's the one that's going to light up the room next <laughs> good good question well hopefully it will resonate with a lot of people because what what the song is about i think everybody's been through the way it evolved was the last song that i released i was talking about before um from the machine and I was talking about the song about metrics. Um, that was very heavy social commentary in that song. Um, so I didn't want to do anything like that again. I just wanted to write something kind of a bit more straightforward and a bit more, and the word innocent kept, kept coming into my head. And I just wanted to write something that was a fairly simple theme and fairly innocent. And when I started thinking about innocent, I started thinking about the early Beatles songs. 
um, like, you know, I want to hold your hand and, you know, she, you know, she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that sort of stuff. And, and like, they were such great songs and so catchy and such, such, had such a, such great groove and they performed so well, but the actual theme, you know, like boy meets boy likes girl or, you know, boys missing girl or, or you know, the or girl likes boy stuff, stuff like that. It was just such a straightforward, simple theme that, but it resonated with, with everybody. Um, so many people. So I sort of, that was kind of became the inspiration. Um, and, um, the the song the song is about that. It's about um, I came up with uh, the chorus, which is why don't why don't why don't why don't you care about me? And it became a song about um, I kind of channeled my inner teenager. I think I actually said that earlier. I went back to when I started working on the idea of the song. I actually went back to the point where you know I remember being eighteen or nineteen or or twenty or or whatever, and you're attracted to a girl, but she didn't feel the same way. And you know, you felt really silly because it was it was unrequited, um, or you know, somebody's attracted to you and you're not attracted to them. Um, and I'm pretty sure, pretty much everybody I know has been through that. Um, and it's a really awkward time, particularly if you, you know, I mean, it happens to you when you're 15, or what happens to you when you're 20 or 25 or or whatever. It's a really awkward experience to to you know have you know fancy somebody but not have it. Um, not that they don't they don't feel the same way, so that's really what the song's about. Um, so yeah, I was channeling channeling my inner teenager, much to my surprise. I like it, man. It's always best when it comes from the heart. Um, so Absolutely. Should we give it a listen? Do you want to introduce like, it? Sure. Um, this is my new song, and it's called "Why Don't You Care About Me." What may never happen at all. What may never be. Why don't you care about me? You're as pretty as a picture of a moonlight night My heart skips a beat when you come into sight You take away my breath every time you smile Can I win your heart if I walk 50 miles? Why don't, why don't, why don't why don't, don't you care about me? Why don't, why don't, why don't, why don't, don't you care about me? Eight days a week is a number of times The memory of you is locked in my mind I can't let you go, it's like waiting for rain a week, a month, a year, can I stay till you change? Why don't, why don't, why don't, why don't, don't you care about me? Why don't, why don't, why don't, why don't, don't you care about me? You can call me a dreamer, a believer, a deceiver. You can walk to the other side of my street. Maybe I am truly, really crazy, celebrating what may never. 
never happen at all What may never be Why don't you care about me? Every time you smile Can I win your heart if I walk 50 miles? Why don't, why don't, why don't, why don't, don't you care about me? Why don't, why don't, why don't why don't, don't you care about me? Why don't, why don't, why don't, why don't, don't you care about me? Why don't, why don't, why don't, why don't, don't you care about me? Brilliant, mate. Thank you for letting us play that track. Really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, amazing, man. I'm sure it'll go far. Well, thank you. I, I think it's my best work so far. I'd like to think it is. So hopefully everybody else will think the same thing. Nice, mate. And uh, have you um, submitted the song through Submit Hub, anything like that? Uh, have I what? Th- that Actually, that's, that's another funny story. So, yeah, I've been through quite a few Submit Hub submissions. Um, and I've actually got one here I, I want to read out to you. Because I'm guessing you guys have been through the Submit Hub um, experience. He's got a world of his fingertips. <laughs> He's got it all for Here's what I made earlier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I've really got to – this is just beyond bizarre. Because you know when you go through um, Submit Hub, they'll either accept it, you know, and mm-hmm. they'll put put it on their playlist, or they'll, they they will decline it. Um, and I, I, you know, I pay the extra couple of dollars so I get get feedback as well. Anyway, so I, look, I sent, a, you know, I must have gone through fifteen or twenty, I think, in the end. But um, this is a, I wanted to read. I won't say who, who it's from, but this is was the um, this is what they wrote about the song. Why don't you care about me? Is an emotional listen, featuring a strong lead vocal delivery that sits with a heartfelt precision. Amidst the rolling guitar waves, creative percussion, backbone pulse, lush backing vocals, punchy live kit drumming grooves, introspective yet romantic lyrics, thumping bass line low end, a quick flowing arrangement, and a clean mix and master. Audibly well-crafted. Props are due. I don't know what props. I think props are due means, you know, congratulations or something like that. So that's pretty. That's a pretty good review, or a pretty good comment. Very good review, mate. Or pretty. It sounds like good all round. Yeah, I reckon that would have taken you know 10, 10 minutes to write that, or a couple of listens of the song. So I'm reading that, and they have a guess. Do you reckon that was accepted or declined? I mean, I would assume <laughs> it would be accepted, but the fact that it was even. Oh, do you get yeah, feedback when you get accepted? Yeah. 
accepted or do they just kind of accept it and you know they like it? So that's kind of why I'm wondering. Mm. That, that was a, they declined it. They declined it. And I'm sitting there and the email come through and I'm reading, reading the review. And I went, wow, that, you know, cool. And then I looked up the top and it says declined. And I'm going, what? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's, I to this day have no idea why anybody would write, you know, s- such nice things and then turn around and decline the, decline the song. It's just, but I mean, you know, like we said before, the, you know, the music industry can be pretty brutal. So, but that one's just done, did my head in at the time. I'm just sitting there going, what does that mean? Why would they write such, such nice things and then turn around and decline the song and not even say why they declined it, you know? Right. Just, you said, who said this again? <laughs> was, it the, um, was it a playlist called Hip Hop Hits from Bosnia or something like that? <laughs> No, no, I'm, I have to be. Um, I have to be diplomatic. I'm not going to not going to name the person, um, but just that's just you got to you got to admit. I mean, from yeah, your you end, does that sound does that sound weird? Is that weird that or is that weird? Absolutely, um, berserk. I would say. To yeah. You know what though? There's, there's people who hate the Beatles. Decline. Sorry, what was that, Booker? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt either. Um, there's people who hate the Beatles. You know, you can't account for tastes. Like um, one man's amazing thing is another man's terrible thing. I'm really not doing very well on the vocabulary tonight. But um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're no, you're right. It's all look. It's all subjective. Mm. It's all subjective. Um, and um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to. To share that with you because that just to the I mean that was probably about three weeks ago I got that and it's been it's done my head in ever since but it makes a good story what if if nothing else well it, go, it kind of goes back to your relationship thing it's like uh, you know you're a great guy you're very handsome uh, you're, you're, you're an amazing fellow we have a great laugh but yeah look you know oh yeah that's exactly right yeah yeah when when you when you get rejected they do it in a really nice way no yeah you're actually that's, that's actually quite true in fact the other funny thought that came to my mind was um the timing of um, Ed Eagle's latest song and, and this one of mine, because Ed Eagle just released "Bye," you know, which is like end of relationship out the door. And here's, here's me two weeks later coming out with, why don't you care about me? Is there a coincidence there or is it planned? You know, you be the judge. The NAS team is in cahoots. There's a, there's a larger <laughs> plan at work here. Yep, it's all part of the part of our consp- it's all part of our conspiracy to take over the world. Can we can we be a part of that too? We want to take over the world. Absolutely, that's yeah, what NASA is all about. We only charge uh, well, Wilco charges a million pounds for his involvement in any uh, world domination schemes. Our price is a little bit more flexible, but uh, I'm open. No, it's important that you, it's important that you value value yourself. I think so. That's good. Yeah, it's one million for a collab, but I might I might have to say five million, five to ten million for world domination services. A worthy figure. On the beach, Gavin, so you, you must have it as pocket change, like <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't live on the beach. I, I I go to the beach, I drive to the beach, but I don't live on the beach. This is just your average suburban Brizzo backyard. Very nice, mate. So for this new track, there's a there's a story behind the Hamilton desk that the song was mixed and mastered on? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks for reminding me. I forgot all about that. Yeah, this um, the uh, the studio that I use, um, um, which is owned by a guy named Kesro Rasta, called K Rasta Studio. Um, this song was mixed and mastered on this desk. In fact, I'm going to try and show you a photograph. So, can you see that? Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, that desk. Um, so that's the Hamilton desk that's, that um, my new song was mixed and mastered on. It's an analog desk. Um, that was the desk that was did was used for the on stage mix for the 1985 Band Aid concert at Wembley Stadium, where Queen, um, David Bowie, um, Die Straits, to name but a few. You too. That amazing you too. That's it. I couldn't think of the other one. That was the the on that was the desk used for the on stage mix for that concert. And for those of you that don't remember that concert, I remember watching it. It was absolutely mind blowing. That was in the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen the Queen movie. Um, that that was the concert that where they re, that they replicated at the end of the end of the movie. Um, that um, live aid concert from Wembley Stadium. That's the desk that was the live aid the the uh, the, the on stage mix desk and um, my engineer Kesha Rasta bought it and it's sitting there in his studio so I'm actually um, actually you know with six degrees of separation um, linked to Queen and um, Bowie and U2 and um, and Die Straits and everybody else that performed because we actually all sung and played through that desk that's great man we'll have to start yeah, calling you uh, some... Gavin Mercury <laughs> oh, mate, if I, if an I, analog desk. It's an analog desk, yeah, and I, it really added added a quality to the song, to the mix and master, which um, you know, like I when I listened to that compared to my other stuff, which were digital done digitally, it really added something something extra to it. I, I think um, so. Yeah, um, amazing bit of history there, and I get to yeah. be part of it. That's amazing, man, and. Um... So you mentioned those great bands. Like, are they some of your favourite bands, or who, who's like your main influences, and who were your favourite bands growing up? Ah, uh, well, from that concert. Um, oh, well, yeah. Who doesn't like Queen? Um, Dire Straits. Yeah, um, but Mark Knopfler's such a fantastic guitar player. I've always been a huge fan, fan of his. I still remember when um, Sultans of Swing came out, the first song. I went, "My God, who is that guitar player? He is phenomenal." Um, but the biggest influence for me would be um, the Beatles. Um, and Paul McCartney, I admire that man. You know, I, I I don't have the right words to 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 explain how much I admire that guy. Um, he's just his body of work is just unsurpassed. And interesting, interestingly enough, um, he's left-handed, and as am I. I'm left. I'm left. Even though I play guitar right-handed, I'm actually left-handed. Um, so there, I've got something in common with common with him as being left-handed as well. Which I think actually helps because you, if you're left-handed, um, means you're right brain dominant, um, and that's your creative, creative side. And I think that's you know why I ended up being a musician actually is because I'm you know I was born that way. So have you ever seen uh, Bob play live? Yes, he came to Brisbane about three years ago. Um, when I heard it announced, I just about fell out of my chair because I never thought I'd get to. Get to. In fact, when I saw, I actually saw it announced on YouTube, and I thought it was like it must have been an old recording from 15 years ago or something that I was getting it wrong. But he was actually announcing an Australian tour, um, and I just was stunned. 
firstly, and then I just I said to my wife, I said, we're going to, we're going to Paul McCartney. I'm getting the best best tickets we can get because I knew he'd never – this would be the last time we got, we would ever get to see him. Um, so, yeah, we went and saw him and it was oh, the ultimate – but that was, that was the number one on my bucket list was to see Paul McCartney live. And he came to my hometown um, and we got to see him and it was just brilliant. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't have the words to describe it. It was just such a vibe. He did all the so many of the of his fantastic songs. He did Hey Jude, you know, and we, every, everybody sang the na 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 bit. You know, the forty thousand people just going off, just going off. So yeah, fantastic, once in a lifetime experience. That's the dream, isn't it? Being being Paul McCartney at that at that moment. Well, you, look, it's funny. Yeah. This sounds, yeah, oh yeah, but it sounds funny. But I I think I know him. Yeah, I, and yeah. I can't explain. I, I've never met. I've never met him, and I never will meet him. I've never even talked to him. But I think, and this is a funny thing about musicians. I think we know each other because of that kinship, um, because of the, the the same the same sort of spirit. When I see him interviewed and when I hear him talking, I kind of yeah, yeah. I know why he's saying that, or I know why he has that 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 position on things, or why he wrote that song, or why he was thinking that. It, it just resonates with me so much. Um, yeah, it sounds really weird, but I feel like I know him. No, I get that. I get that. And uh, I, um, yeah, I hear what you're saying. My um, my first name is Paul, and I was actually named after Paul McCartney. Um, oh, really? That's what my dad claims. Oh. That's what my dad claims. Anyway, um, my mum, she's not so convinced, but um, I think he convinced her to to use the name Paul without actually telling her sort of what was happening until it was too late and the first certificate would be signed. But um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's only sort of 70 miles away from me as our Macca. Um, you know, big pals, me and him, always knocking around, playing some pool. Can you tell him, tell him Gavin said hello, will you? Yeah, I'll, I'll send him a message later. Yeah, yeah, yeah no problem. <laughs> is, he, is he really that close to where you live? Oh, to be honest, I've no idea, mate. I mean, it's, um, I'm only 70 miles away from Liverpool, but that's actually in the UK terms. That's not that close. Yeah, 70k is a long way when you live in England, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's probably, there's probably about five different regional accents between me and Liverpool. Um, yeah. Bizarre. So, if if your if your first name is Paul, where does Wilco come from? My last name from is Wilkes. Wilkes. Yeah, my last yeah, right, name is Wilkes. Okay. So everyone calls me so, Wilco anyway. The, the only people who call me Paul are my parents, uh, people at work, and Nathaniel Hardy Jr. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that when you're in trouble? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Paul. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. What what do you got next? Like what what do you have planned in the you know not so distant future? Anything coming down the line? Yeah, I've got another song that's half written. The music's written. I'm just working on the lyrics at the moment. Um, I got to work out whether I'm I'm kind of in two minds about whether to do it all myself or do it as a uh, as a collab with a, like a female uh, vocalist to kind of make a good a good um, duet in a way. So I'm working on that. That's the next one. Um, after that, I've got a an because you I do songs and I do instrumentals as well. I've got a I've had a an instrumental song that I instrumental tune that I've, I've been sitting on for quite a few years now. So I'm gonna I've decided I'm gonna do that one. I'll do so I'll do another song, and then I've got an instrumental track to to work on after that. So that's my next two planned. Yeah. So always got more to come. Um, always more to look forward to. Cool. So, as is 
becoming tradition very rapidly. Before we let you go, we have to do something that is what goes brainchild called the NAS Quick Fire Five. Are you up for the challenge? Ooh. Oh, these are, I've seen these. These are hard questions, hard ones to answer. Can I, anyway, yeah, am I up to it? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. We're going to find out, aren't we? <laughs> it's going to be a lot like reading reading music for the first time and having to play it live. Yeah, a little bumbo coming back to bite me on the ass. So, Wilco, tell him what he's getting himself into. Yeah, so you've got no more than 15 seconds, and we're very, very strict on this. Um, so no more than 15 seconds to give each answer. Um, it's not going to be easy, mate, but you're going to have to nail your colours to the mask. There's no sitting in the fence with the quick 5-5. Five five. I will do my best, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> other than yourself who is your favorite nas artist other than my other than myself um i really like marble waves good answer straight in there no messing about uh so question two what is your favorite song of all time hey jude good nice. okay uh the person you'd most like to work with in within nas or outside of nas either Tommy Emmanuel, the Australian guitar player. Nice. Uh, number four, what is your favourite album of all time? Oh, God, that's a hard one to answer. I would probably today go for Abbey Road, The Beatles. If you could spend a day with any other NAS artists, who would you pick? Mm, I'm going to bend the rules a little bit here. I'm going to name a couple. I'd like to hang out with Ed. To I like his songwriting and his voice. I'd like to... Spend time with um, Charles Connolly for, for his production, innovation, and, and vision. Um, JHM Jeff for his songwriting. Um, and that's about and- all the time you got. So <laughs> get the yeah, yeah. Anybody, else. <laughs> anybody else he doesn't like you as much as JHM Charles Connolly or Ed Eagle? It's- uh, and uh, for the third time, for the third week in a row, on, no, no, Andres. you said it, you said it all now. No, fifteen <laughs> seconds as well. Uh, he's missed out this hundred. for his for his for his music musicianship. Look, there's too many guys. It's a, I don't want to pick play favourites. Yeah, immediately alienate alienate five hundred other people. No, you don't worry about that. That's what makes them all. You get it. Yeah, them all. The favourites. Yeah, yeah. There's so many talented people. There's so many talented people. Yes. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Gavin. It's been uh, nice to get the opportunity to talk like this and go into some detail about your music. I um, feel like I've learned a lot and understand a lot better about uh, the man behind the music. So, um, yeah, it's been a pleasure to meet you. And um, if you just tell everybody listening where they can find you on your socials, uh, your website, etc. Yeah, I'll, I don't have a website, actually, but socials are just my name, Gavin Walby. you just got to spell it right, G-A-V-A-N-W-A-L-D. B-Y. Not the best showbiz name in the world, but I'm sticking with it. Um, so same at uh, so that Instagram, Twitter. Um, they're all the same, just under my name. And thank you, guys. It's been a real blast today. Thank you. Thank you, Wilco, and thank you, Origin. It's been a lot of fun. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed this experience. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Uh, we just want to take the time to thank everybody who's listening at home, uh, the whole NAS Spotlight community, everybody, all of our partners, everybody that supports and watches us every week. Uh, We'll see you next time. Peace out. Thanks, everyone. Bye.